Why did Jesus, when he was on earth, work so many miracles? You know, you could appropriately call Jesus the miracle worker. Now, let me ask you something. Why did Jesus, in those three years of his public ministry, on a daily basis, work miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle? Why did Jesus work so many miracles? You say, well, pastor, it's obvious that Jesus loves people. Amen. And that he met many people. That their only hope was for him to work a miracle in their life. There was no human solution to their situation or their condition. So in order for them to have any kind of life, Jesus had to work a miracle. It it was because Jesus saw so many needy people and loved them so deeply. That's why he worked so many miracles. That's true. But that's not the main reason. Not at all. There was much more to why Jesus worked miracles than because he touched the lives of needy people, as great as that was. And this morning, I'm going to take the word of God and show you the truth about miracles. You know, Jesus is the truth. And for these last few weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus is the truth. In a world full of lies and deception, in a world in which John 8, 45 says that Satan is a liar and the father of lies, there's no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. If we have ever needed to know the truth, if we've ever needed to walk in the truth, if we've ever needed to live in the truth. It is now because Satan's a liar, a murderer, and a deceiver. And multitudes, multitudes are being deceived. And so, but I want to say to you that Jesus is the truth about life. He's the truth about heaven and hell. He's the truth about the death and resurrection. He's the truth about giving glory to God. He is the truth about relationships with other people. He is the truth about peace and joy. All of that Jesus speaks to, and he is truth, and he speaks to truth. I love what um, the first chapter of John says about Jesus. In John 1.14, it says, "And, and the God became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus, and God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. We beheld the glory of God in Jesus. We beheld his glory. Now listen to me. Full of grace and what? Say it. Truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And then again, in that same first chapter of John, around the 17th chapter or so, 17th verse, it said the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth. Truth came through Jesus Christ. And then in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the, say it, truth, and I am the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the truth. Anytime he speaks the truth, and he's the final authority about truth. Now, we're living in a crazy day where people have just gotten all mixed up about what truth is. And there's never been a time of more deception. I want you to think of Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. And all these screens will be on, all these scriptures will be on the screen. Because I, I want you not only to hear them, but I want you to read them. You know how crazy this world is? Look what it says in Isaiah 5, 20. Woe to those who call evil good. And who call good evil. Who put darkness for light. And light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet. And sweet for bitter. They call evil good. And good evil. And they're wise in their own eyes. And prudent in their own sight. So as we think about Jesus as the truth. I want to speak to you about Jesus as the truth about miracles. You know, I want to ask you a question. How many people did Mohammed raise from the dead? How many people did Buddha raise from the dead? How many blind eyes did Mohammed open? How many deaf ears did Buddha unstop? How many crippled legs did Mohammed and Buddha make whole? I don't know of any miracles. Oh, I know about something about a flight to Mecca and something about visions and all that kind of stuff. But no, I, I'm talking about, you see, their ministry was not about the miraculous showing that they were truly of God. It was about by force or persuasion or fear capturing the minds of people. So, you know, there's a real reason that Jesus worked all the miracles that he worked. And it was profound as to why he did it. You know, Jesus called the miracles that he performed and the teachings that he gave his works. He called them his works. And he said these were the works that the Father did in him and through him. So when I see Jesus performing a miracle, the blind seeing, the lame walking, he says, now this is the works of the Father through me. And so, but every miracle that Jesus performed had a distinct, distinct purpose. Here's what it was. Every miracle Jesus performed, the dead were raised, the blind could see, the lame could walk, the bound were delivered. Jesus' entire ministry was miraculous. Jesus is truly the miracle worker. But you know what? Every one of those miracles was to declare to you and me that he is God. And that he is the only begotten son of God. And I want to show you how Jesus said, listen... If you don't believe my words, at least believe the miracles that I performed. So you won't die without me and spend eternity in a Christless hell. You've got to understand, 
Jesus worked the miracles, and every one of them was saying, you're in the presence of the Son of Man, perfect humanity, but you're also in the presence of the Son of God, the miraculous Son of God, who is declaring his deity, and that he is God manifest in the flesh by every miracle that he performed. Now, John the Baptist came to bear witness to who Jesus is. And it was, it was profound what John the Baptist said. All right, over in John chapter 1, verse 6, I want you to listen for a few, just a couple of minutes here to the witness of John the Baptist. Listen to what John the Baptist said about who Jesus is because Jesus said he was a great witness. It says in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And let's go on to the seventh verse. The, came, the man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. So John the Baptist came to bear witness to Jesus, who is the light, that all through him might believe. Go on to the next verse. John was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of Jesus, who is the light. Okay? That was the true light. Jesus is the true light. <laughs> Every other light is a false light. It's not even light. It's darkness. Jesus was the true light that gives light to every man coming into the world. So John said, I was sent to bear witness. The light has come. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then John went on in, in verse 15. And listen to what he said. John bore witness of him, Jesus, and cried out saying, this is he, was he of whom I said. He who comes after me, Jesus, is preferred before me because he was before me. He was eternal. Then you're going over in, in that same chapter, verses 29 through 34, and listen to what John did. Okay, now this, John's bearing witness. This is God manifest in the flesh. This is the Son of God. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Every Jew that heard that knew exactly what he was saying. Of course, they'd see lamb after lamb after lamb sacrificed. Thousands of lambs when they went into the temple that Solomon built. Thousands. And then all of a sudden, John said, well, here's the Lamb of God. But wait a minute. He takes away the sin of the world. And he goes on and says again, this is he whom I said, after me comes a man who was preferred before me, for he was before me. But I want you to notice something. John gave a great witness of who Jesus is. And I want you to listen to the tribute that John, Jesus gave to John. In the seventh chapter of the book of Luke, the 28th verse, listen to what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He said, for I say to you, those who were born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he was least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So John came saying, the Messiah has come. God has become flesh and dwelt among us. He's the lamb of God. And Jesus said, let me tell you, he was the great prophet 
before the kingdom of God came. But did you know there came a time in John the Baptist's life that you've got to see where this is going now. There came a time in John the Baptist's life when he had some doubts. You see, John had said that the Father had told him that when you see the heaven open and the Holy Spirit sending like a, 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 upon just Jesus like a dove, well, you know this is the Messiah. So John had seen all this. And he knew, but he got, maybe when he's in prison, he got discouraged. And, and so he decided to, to send a couple of his disciples to Jesus and ask him a question. Now, look, I find it hard. No, I really don't. But I do to think that John the Baptist, who saw the dove descend on Jesus when he was baptized, and God said, this is my son. I find it hard to believe that, that when he declared he was the Lamb of God and said all those things about Jesus, that he would get to this point in his life. But look at John 7, 18 through 20. Now, uh, look at it. Jesus was working miracles. So the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And you go on in the next verse. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one? Come on, John. You said he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You said he was the light that lights every man that comes into the world. He said, are you the one or do we look for another? Well, how did Jesus answer him? Oh, you've you got to see how Jesus answers him in a moment. When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you, Jesus, saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? All right, now, how did Jesus answer him? Now, this is why you're going to see where miracles come in. This is why Jesus worked all the miracles. Are you the one that has come, or do we look for another? Look at what he said. Boy, I love this. Jesus answered and said to him, go tell John. Obviously, he was in prison. Go tell him what you have seen and heard. Now, look what he said. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. <laughs> the dead are raised. And the gospel is preached to the poor. Whoo! <laughs> tell John if he's gotten any doubts that I'm the one, just tell him <laughs> that the blind are seeing and the lame are walking and the dead are being raised. He said, you just go tell him that miracle after miracle is confirming that I am God manifest in the flesh. So, now the, the message of the miracles are this. It declares who Jesus is. And he called them his signs. And I want to give you about four verses of how Jesus said it was his miracles that declared he was the son of God. And we could count that testimony and then I want to talk to you in the closing about what the miracles of Jesus mean to you. All right, so now, Jesus said, uh, just tell John the miracles are happening and that'll settle him. He'll know who I am. Well, let's go on down and look at the message of the miracles. 
Look in John 5, 36. It'll be on the screen. And I want you to notice now how Jesus just says in John 5, 36. Obviously, I'm having trouble getting out on the scene. I'll look it up in my Bible. I don't know what it is. But I wanted you to see. In John 5, 36, listen to what Jesus said now. But I have a greater witness than John's. He said, John gave a great witness to me. John gave a great witness to me. But I have a greater witness than John. John 5, 36. The works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father sent me. He said, John had a great witness, but I am telling you, the works that the Father sent me to do are a greater witness than John. Every miracle that I perform is evidence that I am God manifest in the flesh. And it's on the screen now. But a greater witness than John for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do, Bear witness of me that I am the Father that the Father sent me. Then I want you to look at the next verse. John 10, 25. See, I'd never seen the miracles of Jesus this way. I said, Jesus loved people. People were needy. And so Jesus just did what he did. He just worked miracles. But no, every miracle he was working was saying, let me tell you something. When you see the blind seeing, you know it's God in me that is doing that. When you see the lame walking, you just know it is God in me, that I am the Son of God. I am doing this in the power of the Spirit of God. You're watching the Son of God at work. You're watching God manifest in the flesh, manifesting his power. John 10, 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, but you did not believe. The works that I do, now he's talking about these miracles, The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Every time you see a blind man seeing, a deaf man hearing, a lame man walking, and a dead man raised, he said, they're telling you that the Father is bearing witness that I am the awesome, almighty, everlasting, eternal, majestic Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Look at John 10, 36. He says, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God? You know, Jesus said, yeah, I'm the Son of God. They say, you're blaspheming. He said, are you saying I'm blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God? All right, look at verse 37. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. He said, I'll tell you what. If you don't think I'm the son of God, you think I'm blaspheming. If, if I don't work miracles, if I don't do the things the father sent me to do, if you don't see me living a supernatural life, doing supernatural things, don't you believe me? But then he went on and said, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, believe the miracles that you may know and believe. See, Jesus wanted them to know and believe. He wasn't working miracles just because there were needy people. Listen, he loved everybody, but he didn't heal everybody. He didn't deliver everybody. But he he did what God, the Father told him to do. The Father did in him what the Father wanted to do so that people would know truly God has come into our midst. This is Jesus. This is deity. This is God manifest in the flesh. 
But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. Believe the miracles that you may know that the Father sent me. Then he says in verse 10 of John 14, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority. The Father who dwells in me does the works. So, Jesus was saying, all these miracles I'm doing is to tell you one thing. I want you to be absolutely clear. I am God manifest in the flesh. I am the Son of God. I am the promised Messiah. I'm the one spoken of by Isaiah when he said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I am the one of whom Isaiah spoke. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He said, I'm the one. And if you doubt it, even if you don't believe me, believe the works. Look at the miracles and say, there's no way he could do this unless he is God. Well, every miracle just proved that Jesus was the begotten Son of God. But now I want to go on to the most important part of this message. Jesus and the miracles in our life. You know, what about that? By the way, in John 14, 12, Jesus said that his followers were going to do greater works than he did. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, Look at that on the screen. Jesus, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, I heal the sick, I um, deliver the captives, I raise the dead, I encourage the discouraged. He said, you know, everything that I've done, my followers are going to do to greater works than that. Now, there's no greater work than raising someone from the dead or open the blind eyes, or healing the crippled hands, or straightening the... Jesus wasn't talking about that we, our miracles that God did through us was going to be greater than his. If they were going to be greater in number. Not in greater... You can't do any greater miracles than Jesus did, for they, they, they were the ultimate miracles. He said, but in quantity, you will, my, my church will do more miracles than I ever did because it's going to be every believer's right to see the miraculous power of God in their life and in their work. All right. Now, let's talk about Jesus and the miracles in you and me. Okay, I want to define a miracle. It's something that is not humanly possible. See, there are two worlds. There's the natural world and the supernatural world. Many things happen in the natural world. That's not a miracle. The sun comes up in the east, sets in the west. There are four seasons in most places. Mobile's confused. But see, in the natural world, There's just the natural world. But a miracle is when God goes beyond the natural and does what is not humanly possible. 
It's not a miracle if a human can do it. It is a miracle when only God can do it. So it is not the normal or the natural. It's the abnormal or the supernatural. It is a definite, clear act and work of God that can only be explained as God. It's called a miracle. All right, now I want to mention four areas. First one I want to talk to you about, and I want to use the scripture to show you Jesus at work. I want to talk to you about the greatest miracle, the greatest one. And so the scripture we're going to look at is Mark 2, 4, and 5. I love this, Mark 2, 4, and 5. Boy, I love this. There was a man who was completely paralyzed, couldn't walk. His friends heard that Jesus was in a house close by. They said, the four of them picked him up on the stretcher and said, now, if we get him to Jesus, this man who is completely paralyzed has a good chance of walking out of there. Well, they got there and it was running over. Well, it'd be good to see that house of God running over, wouldn't it? I'd love to see that. The only way they could get in was through the roof, you know, so they got up on the roof, tore the roof open. <laughs> And let, let this man down at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> I'd love to have seen that. Everybody says, we're fixing to see a miracle. We're fixing to see a lame man walk. You know what Jesus said to that man? And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now look at the next verse. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, you're healed. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly. And this is strongly stirred in my spirit right now. I believe with all of my heart that it's our responsibility for, our privilege to pray for the sick. It's our responsibility to and privilege for to believe God for the healing of people. But I want you to understand something. A man's, gosh, this is, a person's, greatest need is not to be physically healed. You can be physically healed and go to hell. Man's greatest need is to be spiritually healed. And Jesus said, I know this man is paralyzed, but you don't understand. He's got a much greater need than that. He's lost in his sin and I don't want him to die in his sin. And so he looked at him and said, sir, I want to tell you something. Your greatest need I'm going to meet. I'm going to work the greatest miracle. Your sins are forgiven. And hallelujah, the greatest miracle in the world. And when God is when Jesus saves a lost soul. People get all excited when a blind person sees. Well, glory to God, we ought to get excited when a man who's headed for a devil's hell and going to be separated from God forever. Jesus saves him and snatches him out of a, as a firebrand out of hell. We ought to be much more excited about the salvation of a lost soul than the healing of a physical body. 
And that does not mean that we do not care or pray for the sick. But oh my gosh, listen, friend. Say we got people we're praying for. We say to the Lord, the first thing I want to do is pray for them. Lord, if they're lost, I want them to be saved. If they don't know Jesus, I want them to know Jesus. And then, Lord, if they are saved, if they're not saved, get them saved, Lord. And then if they are saved, Lord, now I want you to touch that cancer and destroy it, Lord. Or I want you to touch that pain and remove it, Lord. Listen, don't. Don't let the natural keep you from understanding there's another world and it is more real than this world and it's called eternity. And what shall it profit a man if he's completely healed and gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Jesus knew he had to let them know that that he had the right to forgive their sins. So look in that same chapter, Mark chapter 2. Look down to um, uh, verse 4 and 5. Well, that's where I just was, wasn't it? All right, all right, all right then go down. All right, all right so um, let, let, me, let me say something about that before I get on to this next one. Jesus realized that the greatest need for that man was to be saved. The greatest need for that man was for his sins to be forgiven, Okay. So, he says, sir, your sins are forgiven. Now, the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed or performs is when he saves a lost person. Did you know if you're sitting here this morning, and you wouldn't be here if you weren't sitting here. I don't know, that sounds crazy. If you're sitting here, you're sitting here. I used to say, I want you to stand right where you are. You can't stand somewhere else. You haven't noticed things like that. Stand where you are. Be seated right where you are. Where else are you going to be seated? (laughs) Jesus knew that that the greatest miracle was, was when he forgave a person's sin and changed their hearts and they became a new creation and were never the same again. Leonard Ravenhill, I heard him say this with my own ears. He said, I've seen every miracle in the New Testament with my own eyes but one. He said, the only miracle I've never seen in the New Testament with my own eyes was somebody being raised from the dead. He said, I've seen the blind see, the lame walk. He said, I've seen them all, but I've never. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. And this, this to me, why can't we understand this? He said, the greatest miracle is when God reaches down into an unholy world and he takes an unholy man or an unholy woman and he draws them out. And by the power of Jesus, he forgives their sin, puts to death the nature of Adam, gives them the very nature of Christ, and they become a new creation. They have gone from darkness to light, Colossians 1. They have gone from darkness to light. They go from death to life. They become a new creation. He said Jesus takes an unholy man or woman out of the world and he saves them and changes them inside. And then he puts them back in that same holy world and gives them the power to live a holy life. Now, do you know that takes a miracle? You know that, don't you? Living in this wicked world, for Jesus Christ to save us, take us from darkness to light, from death to life, 
to give us his nature, for us to become a new creation in Christ, for him not only to save us, but every day to keep you from sin, but every day to keep you from the devil, from every day from you walking in dark. Hey, let me tell you something. The greatest miracle of all is when Jesus Christ saves a person's soul. Woo! <laughs> it took a miracle to put the worlds in place. It took a miracle to hang the stars in space, but to save my soul and to make me whole, it took a miracle of word of love and grace. Do you realize if you're saved, I'm preaching to a bunch of miracles. I'm looking at miracles all over this place. You say, Brother Fred, I'm not living like a miracle. Well, start living like one. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> it is. You hadn't planned on coming. Praise God. And I saw you sitting there, and I said, that looks like an angel. Y'all don't know Pat Cooper, but I do. No, I don't, you don't know Pat Cooper, but I do. She loves Jesus Christ. Sang in the choir at Cottage Hill for years. I tell you, this woman loves God. I'm telling you. I know. I know. I believe. <laughs> but let, let, let me t tell you. So I want you to understand that you say, I want to see some miracles. Well, start looking at, I'm, I'm looking at some of you out here. I, I know how you used to live. Thank God you're not living that way anymore. Woo. Thank God I said, man, boy, that's a miracle. <laughs> Guess what? It is a miracle. I'd like to call a few names, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd just love to start naming them all. Boy, God brought you a long way, but hey, I've got going there. <laughs> I want to tell you about three others real quick. The greatest miracle, but I want to talk about the miracle of physical healing. Now look at Mark chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. The same man that Jesus forgave of his sin is he healed him of his body. Look at what it says. Immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? You're concerned because I told him his sins were forgiven. I know only God can forgive sins. Why are you so concerned about that? Then he says, what is easier to say? To this paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But you, that you may know that the Son of Man, this is what miracles are all about. That you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. I want you to know I have the power, Jesus said, to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And look what it says. I hope it says it. <laughs> Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out of the presence of them so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Hallelujah. You know, God still performs the miracles of healing. The doctor says, there's nothing else we can do for you. 
There's nothing else we can do. We've run out of answers. What you have is incurable. You may live with it 40 years, but it's still incurable. And, and you can. And so they say, we've done all we can do. Well, they just set you up for a miracle. So God could do what only God could do. You say, well, Brother Fred, does everybody that gets the word from the doctor, there's nothing more we can do? Does every one of them experience the miracle of healing? No. But if they don't experience the miracle of healing here, they expect a greater miracle when they get home to be with Jesus. There are some things worse than living. Excuse me, I need to say that again. <laughs> there are some things worse than dying. It is. I mean, there's some things. Hey, you can't lose if you're a child of God. Hey, I want to live. And so God worked a miracle of healing in me. I believe you for a miracle, Lord. I want a miracle. I believe you for it. I ask for it. But God, if you choose otherwise, hallelujah, I'm just going to go on home and I won't have to sweat it anymore. But we have every right to ask God for a miracle. Because miracles give God the glory. And miracles say Jesus is alive. He's alive. Hey, one of the, we, we, we got one of the greatest miracles walking around here I've known lately. It's when God healed David Bullock. Man, myasthenia gravis, 60 or 80 milligrams of steroids a day, that would kill a horse. Had a certain amount of fear. Well, what am I going to, if I have children and I've got this disease? And God telling him, said, go get that man to pray for you. David drug his feet. He didn't do it. And finally, the last day, he went to the man and said, I want you to heal me. I mean, I want you to pray for me. And he didn't know. And so I, he said the man laid hands on him and the guy put his hands on him in the back and said the fire of God went from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And it was so hot that the man who had his hands on his back said that my hands are burning. When David told me that, I said, David, you know what happened right then, don't you? He already knew it, but I was just saying, Listen, when the fire of God goes through your body, God just healed you. He absolutely healed you. Well, the doctor wouldn't believe it. He kept trying test after test to prove he's got it. He's wrong. He can't prove it. And so what David's doing, and I don't think this is smart, but if, you know, you guys, some people are not very smart. He, he, he goes and starts running one of these marathons. I said, David, you ought to be glad you could walk, praise God. You ain't got to run 25 miles. I believe you're healed. You ain't got to prove nothing to me. You know, he doesn't take any steroids. God healed him. Hallelujah. I wish God did that for every person. One of my best friends, a mighty preacher of the word of God, lives with my sin of gravis. I don't know why God hadn't worked a miracle yet, but I'm going to keep believing God for one, and he's going to keep believing God for one, and we're just going to praise God one way or another. Amen. And so if you need a miracle of healing, just believe God for it. If you say, well, they, there's nothing else they can do. All right, you've given God a great opportunity here to manifest his glory and to work a miracle. All right, I've got to move. Oh, I've got to move on. I've got two more. All right, there's the miracle of deliverance. The miracle of deliverance. All right, look over in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 8. There was the tomb of the Gadarenes, the Gadarenes. The man bound by the demons who was cutting himself in the tombs, 
cutting himself in the tombs. No person could could tame him. No person could help him. And Jesus went across the thing and went directly to to that graveyard, went directly there, and he told the unclean spirit, to come out of the man, to come out of the man. And the Bible says in Mark 5, 8, he said, come out of that man. And then it goes on and says in um, verse 15, and then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed demon and, and had the legion, he had many demons, sitting, clothed in his right, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Jesus, there were so many demons in that man that when Jesus cast them out, now don't ask me why Jesus even talked to them. I mean, they, 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 but he, they, they said, well, don't send us out of this country. And so he, he, there were a bunch of pigs over there, and he put, let the demons go in the pigs. You say, well, I don't understand that, Brother Fred. I don't either. I don't either. But you don't have to understand it. That's what he said he did. And the pigs all ran down the hill and drowned. They committed suicide. I mean, it went all ran down the hill and died. I don't know why Jesus put the, let those demons go in those pigs, but I do know this. That man who had been in the tombs cutting himself, screaming into the night, and they would hear his cry in the city, there he was, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Jesus had delivered him. A miracle of deliverance. I went to eat... Um, Dinner with a family. When I moved over here, I didn't sell, couldn't sell my house in Fairhope. It was when it wasn't good. But I prayed, boy, God answered quick. Two years to sell it. Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, I let this preacher and his wife, my wife, and I let them rent our house at a very inexpensive price. And so they had us over to dinner. And the wife gave me her testimony. She said, I was raised in a home where my father was a devil worshiper and where everything was about the devil. And she said, I came out of that home. And she said, I had demons all over me and in me. She said, I would just cut myself. I'd just cut myself. She said, I was tormented. I was tormented. She said, but you know these, (laughs) these people from the local church, came over, and I told them about my condition. You know what they did? They prayed for me, rebuked the devil, cast out the demons, and they all left. And I've never been the same again. You mean God does that today? You better believe he does. Oh, yeah, I've seen him do it. See, she got delivered. Man, and just to see the glory of God in her face and how she just beams with the glory of God because Jesus came, the miracle worker, to save the lost, to heal the sick, and he came, praise God, to deliver the captives. And if you are bound in every, any area of your life, Jesus came to set you free. And you don't have to stay bound. He'll work a miracle of deliverance in your life. And here's the last one. The miracle of salvation, the miracle of healing, the miracle of deliverance. I love this one. The miracle of provision. There were 5,000 who were hungry, 
They had five loaves and two fishes. Jesus said, bring them to me. They passed it out, and he fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fishes. And when they got through taking up what was left over, there were five baskets full. I mean, 12 baskets full, one for each one of the disciples so they wouldn't be full of unbelief. They could look at it and say, you know, he really did it. Man, look at that. We had all that left over. You know, what he was saying there is I'm your provider. They needed a miracle to feed 5,000 people. Sometimes you get in a place where there's no human answer to the financial situation you're in. No human answer. And so all you can say is, God, if you don't come through, I'm sunk. I want to tell this story, and we're going to pray. Good friend of mine, y'all know him. He's he's, He's a little, he's a fanatic. A fanatic, somebody that loves Jesus more than you do. But anyway, Ronnie Pierce. Chaplain at the, for the sheriff's department and sh- uh, chaplain for the uh, FBI. And uh, yeah, he's one of those that Jesus miraculously saved. I, I could tell you what he used to be, but I don't even want to go there. You couldn't deal with it. But I'll tell you what he is now. He's been full of Jesus for years, about 30 years. All right. He went to school. And he was traveling back and forth to school from Jackson. His mother got sick. And he ran out of money. And he knew God had led him to go to school. Nobody knew he was out of money. But he told the Lord. If I'm going to stay in school, it's up to you. He got up the next morning went out to get in his car and taped to the windshield of his car which had been parked in the driveway was a note and said God spoke to me and said that you needed this amount of money and I don't understand but there it was he needed $500 there was a $500 check Taped to the windshield. You say, what a coincidence. You need to get right with God if you believe. (laughs) That was a miracle of God's provision. God worked a miracle. You think that didn't increase his faith? Hey, I'm just saying to you, God is still the miracle. Jesus is still the miracle worker. And there's some of you sitting in here today that you need a miracle.